0: What do life-saving devices, leather bags, and airplanes have in common? They are made right here in Oregon by ordinary small businesses doing extraordinary work every day. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. The Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast is a collaborative effort designed to advance Oregon's $1.2 trillion manufacturing industry by telling their untold stories. Hello and welcome back to the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Linda Wexler. In the last episode, we talked about how manufacturers in Oregon are pivoting to find new opportunities despite our current economic and health crisis. Today's episode features a manufacturer who has found opportunities to grow over the past 130 years. Miller Paint has become well known here in Oregon, and you might have even used one of their products in your recent home improvement projects. These days, Oregon manufacturers are asking how they can generate new leads and better serve their existing customer base. Miller Paint is a legacy brand that has moved into the modern era, and in this episode, they will share some strategies that they have used to build their business. We hope you will enjoy the surprising story of a company that has become a household name. The first person I'm going to chat with today is Steve Sarah, who is the VP of Production and Distribution at Miller Paint. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Linda. Happy to be here. So
0: tell us a little bit about Miller Paint. What does a typical day at work look like
1: for you? All right. Well, Miller Paint has, uh, we've always lived by a small management philosophy. So those in, in leadership roles wear a lot of hats and often are very much more close to the action. So with that said, there really is no typical day. While every day involves several trips through the production area, each day offers a unique variety of detail that I follow up on. Every day involves some sort of task that brings me to the most exciting place in the facility, and that's the shop floor. But one day might be focused on raw materials or purchasing details, while the next might involve confirming that all of our environmental regulations are being met. Another day might involve a new product or process we're developing or a technical advancement we're considering. And another day might even be spent fine-tuning the production schedule. So no two days are alike, which keeps it really interesting. This, combined with the fact that we're employee-owned, keeps everyone much more engaged in the day-to-day activities and reminds me that my role is no more important than that of those employees who are actually involved in the making. The shipping and the selling of the paint.
0: How did you get started um, in your role at Miller Paint or maybe even talk about how you got started in manufacturing in general?
1: My introduction to Miller Paint was, was accidental and my career in manufacturing was somewhat unintentional actually. <laughs> When, when I was in college, I painted houses each summer to help pay my tuition, and I used just whatever paint the homeowner decided to buy. Well, one homeowner bought Miller paint for their house, and I was really impressed with the great coverage and easy application, to be honest with you. And after that, I always kind of asked homeowners if they would buy Miller paint. Well, the next year at school, I began dating a girl whose father I found out months later was in charge of manufacturing and technical functions at Miller paint. Kind of a fortunate coincidence. Yeah. So, several years after that, when I was out of school working in a totally different, unrelated field, this man, who by then was my father-in-law, offered me a position to oversee government regulations and compliance for the company. I took the position, but it just didn't keep me busy enough. And the allure of helping to grow the manufacturing function of the expanding company was all I really needed to accept the challenge and augment my role at Miller Paint. I jumped in with both feet and never looked back.
0: So when you, were, when you first started in that particular role on the mm-hmm. manufacturing side, did you start off um, actually uh, in the process of producing the paint or what, what was your very first task as, as part of that role?
1: No, I never really, uh, although I, I found myself occasionally, you know, working side by side with an employee here or there, I, I, I've got a reputation for a, a Few gallons that I spilled over the years. Actually, um, <laughs> some of the old timers never let me forget that either. Uh,
0: <laughs> so they, after that, they decided, well, maybe we won't let him touch. The
1: yeah, <laughs> let's let's keep him a little more at, at at arm's length and let him let him let him watch from afar. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was an a facility that that needed to grow and uh, just a fresh look. From a fresh set of eyes, uh, was was really a lot of fun to to be given a free hand to just work with the guys online and say how can we improve this process to make it easier or make this this you know function flow better. So that's kind of how I really helped out in production because obviously from spilling paint, that's not much of a help.
0: <laughs> you're tra- you're trying to figure out how to improve their processes and so that no more paint would be spilled exactly <laughs> not by you or anybody else <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So aside from the occasional paint spillage, um, uh,
1: what have been your biggest challenges um, while you've been at, at uh, Miller Paint? Well, as a manufacturer, probably the biggest consistent challenge has been finding, hiring and retaining high quality employees, especially in recent years. It seems that fewer people are interested in working in a traditional manufacturing jobs. 30 years ago, when I started, there were more people looking for production work than there were physicians available. And I kind of had the pick of the crop. And several of the people I hired back then are still here, which is a testimony to their commitment and quality. During the past decade, there just have not been a, as a robust a pool of applicants for open positions. We've been able to find good people, but it's just a lot harder than it used to be. Another challenge, and, and one that I would say that I welcome, is has been to keep up with the Miller Paints growth. From operating five stores when I started in 1984 to over 50 stores today has been a lot of fun. Growing from serving just a few locations in one city, Portland, to meeting the needs of a network that's increased tenfold with locations in multiple regions from Portland to the entire state of Oregon to Spokane and Boise and the entire Puget Sound. It's been a really fun challenge over the years. A different challenge and more from the technical side of the company that I take a real personal interest in observing is is that of capturing the attention of an ever-growing population that's new to our region. We're Northwest-owned, Northwest-located, Northwest-produced, and every day new residents move to the Northwest from other areas of the country who have no knowledge of who Miller Paint is. They unfortunately don't yet know the tremendous quality and value that awaits them in a can of Miller Paint. We're located in the epicenter of the microbrewery as it relates to beer. I view our existence in a similar light. National companies see the Pacific Northwest as a region on the corporate map. They make paint that's sold across the country, from Arizona to Alabama, as well as here. When it comes to paint, one size does not fit all. We are the local microbrewery of paint that has been firmly planted in the Pacific Northwest for over 130 years. The paints that we produce are formulated specifically for our challenge and unique climate and have a proven track record of performance. We know what Mother Nature has to offer, and we build products with a bring-it-on attitude. The challenge is twofold helping new residents to discover how a locally produced paint made here for here can be a real step up in quality and longevity of their project, but also on the technical and production side to continue to evaluate and fine tune our products to assure they truly are superior quality that Miller Paint is known for.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you've, I mean, for a company that's been, was it, was it 138 years? 130. Mm-hmm, since, since 1890. 30. So are you going to celebrate your 130th Anniversary here soon.
1: Well, we have been all year long. We've got okay. uh, we've got all sorts of stuff in our stores that that celebrate it. We uh, you know have hats that celebrate it. We've got uh, even our face masks that we've been wearing at work. We have 130 year anniversary on them. So, so oh. yeah, it's an exciting time here at Miller Paint.
0: <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's just uh, such a fabulous, fabulously long track record. And like you were saying being the sort of microbrewery, you know, kind of model here. I mean, that I think resonates with so many different other manufacturers within the Pacific Northwest, where you start off small and have a high quality product and, you know, are really catering to the culture that's here. And, um, and then, you know, that really just carries you through the fact that that's carried you through for that a long time, 130 years is just such a testament to the legacy of the brand. It's very cool. Of course, you know you've been around for a long time, and and we've recently run into some very unique challenges with with co- COVID nineteen that maybe you know you haven't experienced. Hopefully, you haven't experienced before. How how have these new challenges with COVID nineteen affected the company?
1: It's it's you know COVID nineteen is different than challenges we've had in the past. You know, every company faces uh, you know different types of challenges as they grow through the years, and and we've seen. We've seen things that have, have, we've had to respond to, such as you know, Mississippi River floods, and suddenly you've got problems with logistics on raw materials coming across the country. Or if there's a hurricane, you suddenly need to you know, adjust because some uh, you know, oil refinery has been taken down and, and uh, the plastic buckets you use are hard to get. But those are things that we can see coming. We can kind of forecast what, what the impact uh, impact's going to be and, and how, how we can mitigate the, the, the damage to our business. But COVID nineteen is really different. There is just not the same degree of predictability or control. You know, externally, you know, many of the connections we have for ordering and tracking supplies have been working from home, and occasionally that's caused us delays in obtaining information. Sometimes, you know, shipments were late just because of COVID related precautions or maybe absenteeism. Internally, this is the scary one. It's even a greater impact, and because of the unpredictable nature of uh, an employee's status. It really forces us to stay on top of our game. Even though we put together a number of safeguards to protect our employees, any day has the potential to wipe out our workforce. We have taken extra precautions to protect our workers uh, from the very beginning. We wear masks. We're taking temperatures. We have extra cleaning. We even hired someone just to sanitize things like doorknobs, valves, handles, keyboards, et cetera, et cetera. We produced our own hand sanitizer for use within the facility so that we could assure that all our employees had ample access. But having said all that, unlike in the past, if an employee had one minor symptom where we might encourage them to take a day or two off, a single symptom from a single employee puts everybody on the staff into a, I'll use air quotes, uh-oh stance. <laughs> While we've not yet had any positive cases that have impacted our manufacturing, we are well aware of production environments that have been quickly devastated by the illness. And we recognize that since we have only one production facility, we have to be careful. You know, and I'm really thankful to our employees that they've taken everything seriously and handled themselves in a positive, responsible manner. So it's 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 had its challenges within our building, no doubt about it.
0: Have you, you know, along with the COVID symptoms that folks might have that might keep them from coming to work, you know, in order to keep everybody safe, and you know, in addition to that, the some of the the difficulty that you mentioned your challenges have been to find uh, workers just in general. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you've run into some shortages as far as you know, folks on the fl- being on the floor? And and has there any have you had? Do you have any tips or tricks that you could share with others to that are probably experiencing the same thing? I mean, this is a common complaint that I hear from most manufacturers in Oregon. It's just so hard for for them to find people. Is there anything that you've tried that um, has helped to alleviate some of that pain?
1: Well, you know, with the COVID-19 issue that's always in the, in the forefront of our minds, you know, we have always just chosen to help our employees to err on the cautious side. And we would rather be missing an employee for an extra day or two while they sort out their situation rather than have our whole facility, you know, be unhealthy. So, so there is a trade-off on, in short term, uh, today. But, you know, going to the, in, in the employment situation as a whole, no, it's just really difficult. We, we work with employment agencies for temp to hire. We work with, uh, you know, we, we've worked with our own employees. We have an incentive program to, to, you know, encourage them to bring their friends to work, if you will, uh, as, mm-hmm. as potential new employees and reward them for bringing in good workers. But it's just tough. I, I just, I'm not really sure why, but uh, manufacturing just doesn't seem to be as appealing to the to the general population as it used to be. And and if I if I knew the secret to tell everybody, I wouldn't tell them because I'd want all those people <laughs> myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> so, can you tell me some of some what have been some of the highlights um, of
1: working for Miller Paint so far in your career there? Well, you know, I guess that's a that's a tough question to really narrow down one one or two highlights in the number of years I've been here, which is thirty six now. I'd have to say that for me, the highlights of Miller Paint are all related to the growth that I've witnessed and and been part of over the years and to the people who I've been able to share the Miller experience with. Growing from a small local company to having such a strong regional presence has certainly been exciting to take part in. Being part of the one of the oldest privately held companies in the Northwest really means something to me. The people I've worked with over the years really makes it special. I remember when I started, there were old timers and World War II veterans that, who were still here. And since then, there's second and third generation employees whose stories you know, cover decades of Miller Paint history. And uh, it's just exciting to be able to pass that on to the youth in the company who I know are going to continue to carry this on for generations to come. It's, it's just, to me, the highlight is Miller Paint, Uh, when you, when you spend as much time as, as, as I have, and, and many people here at Miller Paint have, it's, it's just, it's difficult to single out small things because the, the macro picture is what truly keeps us here. Uh, it's, it's all part of being a, you know, local quality person, uh, employee owned company that, uh, that builds products for the Northwest, for our friends, for our neighbors. That is, that keeps it exciting.
0: Super. Well, thank you so much, Steve. It's yeah. just a,
1: a lot of fun to, to to get to sit down and talk to you about it.
0: Thanks, Steve. Next, I'm going to introduce Pooji Sherer, Director of Color Marketing at Miller Paint. Pooji, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Director of Color Marketing, that's a really interesting title. What does it mean?
2: Well, it means that I deal with all things color at Miller Paint. Uh, For example, I do our color trend forecasting for the year ahead, looking at what colors are going to be forefront um, in home decor and interior design. I create usable color combinations for our color brochures to make that color choosing process simple for our customers. I work to create inspiring content for social media platforms focused all around colors for your home. Mostly when people go to do uh, painting projects, the first big decision isn't, you know, what product am I going to use or what sheen do I want for my walls or my trim? It's what color am I going to paint? So color is a big part of The painting process. And I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've heard it over and over again that choosing the right color for a project can be a really challenging task because there are so many colors to choose from. So it can really be overwhelming and it can be frustrating if you choose the wrong color. So it's my job to make that process as easy and fun as possible because it should be.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've I've had various house projects in the past where I've looked at color swatches and been absolutely overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> Half the time I'm choosing colors by uh, not only connecting with the color itself, like, oh, I like that color. That looks pretty nice. Um, but also I tend to go by the names of the colors. Like if I like the name of the color, then I'm like, oh, that sounds good. Like blue sky. That sounds really soothing. I think I'll choose that color.
2: Yep, exactly. Well, color can be sneaky. Architectural color can be sneaky because when you're looking at a little chip, I mean, there's really two main things that affect color uh, for your home and one is scale. So when you take that little chip and you blow it up over four walls or put it, you know, floor to ceiling or on the exterior of a house, you've got multiple stories. So scale can really affect color and obviously so can so can light. So depending on the type of lighting that you have in your space. And sometimes it's hard to see in those color, small color chips, the undertones that are hiding in a color. And so what I mean by undertones is, you know, what colors go into actually make that chip. So if you're looking at, to your point, like a light blue color, let's say it's called blue sky. There is, if you look at, you know, our current blue skies, there's a bit of a a lavender or periwinkle undertone. So sometimes if you have a, a blue chip that looks great small, if you blow it up, maybe those periwinkle undertones will get bigger um, and you'll feel like maybe you're walking into a lavender room instead of a light blue room that you thought that you were going to get. So that's what can be the challenging part of choosing color. Um, And so it's my job to, to help people with that. That's so interesting. So, so what what brought
0: you to this position that you're in right now? Were you a color expert in a prior career, um, or how did you get how did you get into this field?
2: Well, it started with um, my degree. So, I got a, a fine arts degree, um, and I moved to Portland in 1999, and my concentration was in fine art painting and ceramics. And so as a young artist, and I moved to Portland, um, I realized that I needed to get a job pretty quickly. So I had a more of a heart to heart with myself, because I was obviously passionate about art. Um, and so I, I dove a little bit deeper, and I wanted to understand what truly was I, what is I passionate about, and what came back um, was color. And that's what was most interesting to me about art um, and about painting and also about uh, ceramics is the, the glaze combinations. And so from there, I don't dug a little bit deeper and asked myself, okay, well, what's the most practical application of color around us? And it's architectural coatings. It's paint. It's, it's everywhere. It's on the exteriors of our homes, it's on the interiors of our homes. And so from that point, I decided that I really wanted to learn more about architectural coatings and paint and I lived in Northeast Portland at the time and I was walking around the block kind of having my soul-searching moment in a new city and I saw a paint contractor who was painting a house, and I literally walked up to him and I asked if he was hiring for the summer, and he said yes. And that was actually that summer was when I was first introduced to Miller Paint as well, since I was new uh, new to Portland from the Midwest. And my uh, my boss took me into the Miller Paint on Grand Avenue, and he's like, "You're you're in the Pacific Northwest now. This is the paint that you use. It's Miller Paint. It's it's made here. It's formulated for the Pacific Northwest climate." So that was my first intro to Miller Paint, and from there, I really, you know, I I became interested in the application of architectural color and I painted umpteen amount of homes and apartment buildings. And it was really interesting to watch the process of, I was just applying the colors that people had already chosen. And so I was kind of had that in-depth look at people's experience choosing color and how challenging it was and how excited they were when we first started out with the project. They would go to work. I'd crack open a gallon of paint and to see their disappointment when they came home with that color not being exactly what they wanted. I realized through my process and my journey of being a paint contractor that I could really help people on the color side. Um, And so from there, I learned a lot more about color formulation and color consulting and the rest is history
0: wow so can you can, like do you walk down the street and and look at like the side of a house or you know maybe even a, a mural and say oh oh yeah that's that's um that's orange crush or do <laughs> you recognize the colors that you see
2: <laughs> yes usually I can or I just I feel like I'm constantly evaluating color for for <laughs> good or for bad I mean so many neighborhood walks uh, we live in North Portland and so many beautiful color combinations and then sometimes when people are painting I'm like, oh, I've talked to like three neighbors uh, on our block uh, this year painted their house. So I've tried to help all of them get color selfishly because I have to look at them every day. But yes, I'm constantly looking about looking at color. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about uh, Miller Paint and the marketing work that you've done there. Uh, what's it been like to um, market for a brand like Miller Paint that is a legacy brand, and how how has that been different from, um, say, marketing a, a new brand or not, you know a, a, that you know maybe is an unknown to most people. I mean, most people in Oregon and, and in the Pacific Northwest, especially, will be familiar with Miller Paint, um, even just by driving past a Miller Paint store. So, how how is it different?
2: You know, you you're right. It is. Um, Miller Paint is a legacy brand. We are celebrating our 130th anniversary of making paint in the Pacific Northwest this year. What I've found is that um, there's just so many rich stories to tell with that deep of a history. So for example, like right now we're working on a documentary about our founder, Ernest Miller, um, and he was an artist and a muralist in Portland in the 1890s. He painted landscape in theaters and opera houses and restaurants around Portland. Um, and he lived in a Victorian, which is now slab town in the 1890s and moved to the central east side um, in the early 1900s. And it was there that he built a house and a barn that had a stone mill in it for grinding pigments and making paints because there were no regional manu- paint manufacturers in Portland at the time. And so everything that painters were using had to be shipped in from shipped in from the East Coast. And so there were back orders, there were performance issues with paints that weren't formulated for our rainy climate. Um, And so he drew on his artist background to create Miller Paint. And so just stories like that are, you know, I mean, being around for 130 years, there's just so many rich stories to tell. But I also think that marketing a legacy brand, it's a responsibility because unlike a new brand, there's already, there's just a built-in brand loyalty and a trust. Uh, in Miller Paint. And I feel like it, it is really my job to protect and to nurture that um, in our messaging and our marketing. And along with, you know, the legacy,
0: I mean, I, th- I can see that being like you mentioned, an, an, an asset and just something to talk about and a, a story to build. Um, have there been any challenges um, with having a, a legacy brand on the flip side of that?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've been with Miller Paint now for coming up on two years. You know, one of the challenges, especially when I first came in is that it was really on the brand identity side. So being a legacy brand, there were just a lot of different versions of logos and colors, and there wasn't a really strong brand standard in place. Um, so we did, we're currently working on a brand refresh this year. So we are looking at. Looking back at our original logos for inspiration, um, and we've created a simplified, maybe a more contemporary version of our logo with a connection to our history. So we're in process of implementing now that now, but it will definitely be a rolling change because there's <laughs> there's a lot of logos out there. But we also dove into our key messages and differentiators. Um, so we've developed a new tagline, which is "Made Here for Here," to speak more clearly to the local manufacturing and the form, formulation of our paints for the Pacific Northwest. So, you know, it's was we really looked back in order to move the brand forward.
0: Fabulous. And, you know, so interesting that you mentioned that he had to consider your founder had to consider the climate here in the Pacific Northwest, because the way that exper- especially exterior paint, I'm sure reacts to that. And, and I wonder, d- does it even have an impact on color?
2: Yes, that was actually one of the things, you know, with Ernest Miller when he first started developing paints that, you know, in our oral history, it's been handed down is that people really saw the beautiful colors that Ernest Miller was creating and putting on homes, you know, with one of the performance issues that you want to, you know, consider when you're painting an exterior is fading. Um, and so, you know, Ernest Miller has created such beautiful colors um, and created a formulation that would really uh, showcase those colors in the Pacific Northwest. Let's talk a little bit about,
0: um, a little bit more about Your marketing strategy, Uh, Miller Paint, because of your long legacy, and possibly I'm not not sure if it's because you know this was intentional from the beginning, but you've got quite a few different market channels. So I think, from what I understand, um, maybe direct to consumer. There's your your stores, and then maybe even um, like you said for some of the larger industrial projects. Can you talk a little bit about what are the different marketing approaches for those different channels that you've taken, and or just give me a little bit more background on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, we really segment our customers into two different customer bases. So we have the retail consumer, which is the DIYer, the homeowner, um, you know, the new apartment owner. Or we have, and we have the professional customer. So that's more of the paint contractor, the architect, the designer, the developer. Um, and so our adver- our advertising and our social media content is geared more towards connecting with the retail consumer around color. And that's you know the the focus of my job, like we talked about, is really inspiring people through color. So that's where that customer segment really uh, starts their painting journey or that paint process. Is what color am I going to use on the professional side, we have a large rep force um, on the ground that really handles the pro side of our business. And that's that's a lot about the relationship building, making sure that our contractors have products that are high quality, that perform, that get to the job sites on time. Um, so that's really how we kind of divide our customer segment. And that's kind of how we we tackle that.
0: So what advice would you give, given your legacy and your time with Miller Paint, um, to other manufacturers in Oregon and and beyond about finding the right market uh, and customers for their product lines?
2: My advice would be to try the best that you can to really understand the values of your customers and communicate how your product or your services connect with them. So for us, we know that the Pacific Northwest consumer is passionate about their community, about their neighborhoods. Um, they're passionate about supporting small businesses in these neighborhoods, especially local manufacturing and employee-owned companies, all of which Miller Paint, we are all of those things. And so it's really understanding you know, that that, that our consumer values those things and making sure that we let our customers know that we are that. And
0: do you have any advice for manufacturers in Oregon, just in general, about what they can do to keep their businesses growing and successful?
2: Well, we've built all of our relationships, business relationships on trust. And so our customers trust us to provide them with premium quality paint and exceptional customer service. When they come into a store, they trust that they are going to be helped, that the person behind the counter really cares about them and their project. Um, so, you know, with our store managers and our associates, we're really concerned about, you know, we want people to have a, a a positive experience with our paint. And so my advice would be to, you know, nurture those relationships and create a quality product. And that's been our formula. And we've been here for 130 years.
0: Those are certainly certainly some great words of advice. Thank you so much, Puji, for your perspective, your experience at Miller Paint, and for giving us some great words of advice on um, how companies in Oregon can continue to grow their businesses and hopefully one day to become a legacy business like Miller Paint is.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening
0: to the Manufacturing Matters Oregon podcast. To learn more about manufacturing in Oregon. Visit ManufacturingMattersOregon.com and please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.
1: 2020 certainly has been an interesting year. First off, when other businesses were forced to close down during the COVID-19 pandemic, paint retailers and manufacturers were defined as being essential businesses. And as such, Miller paint facilities were allowed to remain open from day one. I have a friend who early on, even before America was shut down, told me he was going to buy some paint so he could work on projects if he was forced to stay at home. It was amazing how prophetic his suggestion turned out to be because the home improvement sector remained very active during the shutdown with homeowners doing most of their own work. So unlike some of our direct paint store competitors, Miller Paint Stores very quickly developed methodology to allow our customers to safely interact with our sales staff inviting the patrons to enter our stores rather than limiting service to curbside pickup. And that's so critical with paint selection. It's hard to do over the internet or it's hard to do over a phone call. That personal opportunity to interface with, with customers really helps them to have the confidence in their color selection and their product selection. and, And that's really what we're all about at Miller paint. So while I would never suggest that this is a normal year, we have had the opportunity to remain an active part of our customers' projects. And since many homeowners were hesitant to invite contractors into their living space, many were coming into our stores personally. And it was a great opportunity for our associates to share in the color and product selection, as well as sharing the story of being a 130-year-old manufacturer and a community member with products that are specifically formulated for our unique Northwest environment. Like we like to say, made here for here.